I thought you were dead. Son, out of your eyes, get, your get, out, get out all of the 7-Eleven and first Are you a dead? Right well, hello. She's dead, wrapped in plastic. Oh, that's next week, dude. That man's dead back then. Look, what's worse than that? Must be dead. Is this a dead man, Doctor? I saw that guy when I was going to your place. He's a fucking dickhead. Yeah, he's out there like sunbathing. <laughs> he's a prick. It's on his phone, like he ignores you and That might be his name. Prick? Yeah. Ignores, ignores you? you? Fuck you. On his phone? Yo, one time he was I think I said this on the show before, he was just like he was legitimately just like working out in the drive thru. That's sick. And just did not acknowledge my car at all. Oh, yeah. Bro, what the fuck, dude? Gotta get rest, want, dude. How many more sets you got? Can I so, work in? Just, I just wanted to hit him in my car. Can I get some Ben and Jerry's? <laughs> Benjamin and Jeremy's. Hard dollar. Fuck you, dickhead. That's awesome. Well, well, well. I need a job there. Now we know what's happening in Babylon. Smash down. Babylon. Babylon. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, here, let's intro the show. Uh, hello. Welcome to Rose Mortem. Travis, check this out. I have a new one. Hello, welcome to Rose oh. Mortem. You belong here. My name is Tom. Oh, I like that. I'm Travis. And I'm Mike. Uh, Connor's not here tonight. He has coronavirus. I don't know if anyone's heard of that. Lit. It's the Nashville brand that's already affected Which, Yeah, show. I had that one time when I had a great time in Nashville. In the honky tonks. In the old Kid Rock City. Kid it's rare for Connor to miss a um a serialized episode, but uh he's doing it. I'm here. Mike's here, he's made it two two weeks in a row. Yeah, fuck with me. <laughs> oh, wow, you're on the streak, dude. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, Con Connor, last week we talked about all the baby stupid shit. Now we're talking about history. I'm sure he'll listen to this Whew. amateur uh, hour over here. He'll come back in. Yeah, he'll be caught up. It's got a lot of free time right now, you know, getting over this light cough. Headaches. But either way, uh, does anyone have anything to report this week? Uh, I'm still alive. It's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, I like to hear that. Travis, how was your week? I went, I had a really big week. I went on a little road trip. I went to uh, Boise, Idaho. Very strange. Felt like a North Korean city because, like, literally, there's like one clean, like a couple clean blocks of city, the brand new, and then just like nothing behind oh, it. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I went there. I went to, I went down to Salt Lake. Saw the the actual lake. I went to that that thing, the spiral jetty that's in like every art history book. The fucking dickhead that built the jetty that's all fucking spiraled. That's uh, cool. Went to actual Salt Lake City. That was weird. Lots of Mormons. Did you like, get a drink there? Then, uh, I did. And uh, they did you see the curtain? Or they have the, they call it the shame curtain or something? Or decent, no, I didn't see curtain? that. Yeah, apparently Mormons have this thing in, uh, I think it's in Salt Lake. It's got to be. Um, in which the cocktails have to be made like behind a screen. <laughs> like they don't want to, they can't show you how, where the devil is made. Yeah. Really? I mean, I didn't. I mean, the Mormons weren't coming in the no, bar. It, uh, but I know it existed. It might not exist anymore. 
Um, mm. It's just some dumb legislation. People who are way too busy thinking. Yeah, they're just like, how yeah. are we going to ruin this good time? Sorry, yeah. Yeah. so did <laughs> did that went over in Nevada? Nevada was badass. Yeah. Route eighty drove through like a whole bunch of like shitty casino towns. Nice. Got lost a lot of money on the slot machines. I hate fucking slot machines, and none of the tables were open. Really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we were going to like the du- we wanted to purposely wanted to go to the dumpy casinos, and the dumpy casinos don't want to pay for anyone, so <laughs> to work a table, right? It's just all slots, huh? You know? So you're a blackjack guy. I know that about you. Uh, now I'm a craps man. Oh. I'm all about the oh, craps. That's good. Growing up, I see. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, dice. Love to handle them stones. You know what I'm Amen. saying? Strategy. Like it's all Cielo. about strategy. If you're ever in Nevada, go to Metropolis, Nevada. It is literally a ghost town that's really badass. Uh, it's from like the early 20th well, century. Cool. And we met, oh, shout out to Sterling. There was like one of nine farmers or nine homesteaders in the area that still live there. Like, it was a literal city that you can't see anymore except for, like, the arch of the schoolway, like the schoolhouse. Yeah. And then we met, we just happened to drive up when, like, one of the owners of one of the homesteads were there. This guy, Sterling, he was a former, former federal agent, and he told us the whole history. Badass. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's like, all my sons are federal agents, too. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. That's news telling the truth. You could tell. This man's probably killed someone. Men named Sterling don't lie. He also had a fantastic last name, too. Cooper? I'm not going to dox him. It wasn't Sterling Hayden, was it? It was Sterling. Nice. <laughs> I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, and then from there, I went up to the desert in Oregon, drove 110 miles per hour in my Subaru, pulled the e-brakes, spun around. It was fun. That's sick. Wow, you had yeah. an awesome week. Yeah, it was a great week. Then I came back to Oregon, and then I almost stepped in diarrhea the second I got out of, of my course. car. Of course. Well, <laughs> it's, it's the, the song from Fievel. You know, we all go to Portland, and the streets are paved with diarrhea. <laughs> yep, yep. Tom, you've been busy. I've seen you've been, you've been built in a deck. Oh, I, ha- I haven't been doing much of that work. That's been contracted laborers doing that. Um, uh, supervisor. Your wife does a very good job making it seem like you're doing it. I'm hand. not. I'm actually not. <laughs> uh, I mean, I've cut some holes in sheetrock and done some minor repairs, but that's really it. Um, my sister got married this weekend. Shout out to Julia and Michael. Ooh. What a nice couple oh. they are. Wow. Nice. Very handsome couple. And uh, what else happened? That's it. Kill you. Yeah. What I do? Well, you're alive. Yeah, I'm alive still. Yeah. 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 You're alive. Uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) 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 I've been getting. uh, Well, I'll just say this: fuck uh, New York State. Yeah. (laughs) Especially the labor (laughs) office. Go fuck yourself. If you hear this, I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) <laughs> Mike, you just had to. Mike, you just gotta get on. Like I don't know, OnlyFans or Fansly. You gotta get the whole butt plug set. You'll be golden, dude. I just gotta. It's just. It's not just girls making money. There's a lot of gay I guys know. out there who probably want to jerk off to your butt. Yeah, just lose. I don't know. Not that. Maybe much. I'll show my belly. 
Use a butt plug in your butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want to. I want to buy that butt plug and smell that belly button because it smells rancid. Oh. Why is yeah? Why do belly buttons smell rancid? I don't know. That's a good question. Right? They smell like oh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Unless it's just my belly button that smells like poop. How are you smelling your? Are you like fingering your belly button yeah, and giving think, it a whiff? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You do you do it. you wipe from like back to front all the way up to your <laughs> belly button or something? I mean, no. That's why I'm confused. <laughs> I'm like, why is he, I, I was high as, high as fuck one time, I was like, maybe it's like shit in my belly that's like not ready to go, and it's like pressed up again, it made no sense. Yeah, that's <laughs> wild, yeah, that's, that's a wild smooth theory. Brain I got a deep belly button yeah. too, it's crazy, it goes down quite a wide ways. <laughs> it's like the movie yes, Holes. Very, very much like Holes. <laughs> Alright, before we get into the movie Holes anymore, or anything else, why don't we get back into our story here? I'm tired, Grandpa! I don't want to dig <laughs> Yeah, let's, uh, let's jump back in. So, we're in the middle of our Richard... Sir Ri Richard Francis... Francis... <laughs> we're just saying that our, again. No, wow. we're in the middle of our Sir Richis, Richard Francis Burton episode <laughs> uh and we covered him from sperm to his brief time in oxford last week and where we left off it's 1841 richard is 20 years old he's getting into the cult astrology gambling banging broads all in london right he's like ah, i know your sign the sign is the snake you should suck on it <laughs> yeah I don't know how many guys listen to the show. A lot of women listen to the show, which I don't understand. I think it's probably you talking about your penis, Travis. I think that's what they're attracted oh, yeah. to. Yes. But it's um, very curved. Yeah, if you didn't know this, when you're hitting on girls, even whores, start with astrology. That's 50% of the way yeah. there. Yeah. Because you're always starting with zero on day one, you know? And you know what a great combo is if you're Richard? And he, we're not there yet, but... Jumping forward a little bit, he's very into his hypnotism. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yeah. Hypnotism and astrology? That's I a one-two punch. Ladies, it. do me a favor. Write in and confirm my <laughs> suspicions. I'm a Libra. <laughs> so also in London, he's studying Hindustani um, because he's planning on joining the British Boy. Army. And where, were, where was the British Army fighting in 1841? None other than Northern India. Really? Yeah, weren't they all about that trade game, right? That spice, they, right? Or the, the herbs? No, they have a lot, oh, a dude, lot of stuff there. India is like the breadbasket of the world. You can just grow whatever the hell you want. They got like every region in India. Think about it. So. Heroin? You can grow, you can, it's bread, uh, science, well, it's hello? all there. Actually, the place we're fighting now, you're talking about heroin uh, their place they're fighting now is mainly afghanistan and pakistan so a lot of heroin opium, a lot of opium yeah, yeah. Mm. um you'll opium dead so, uh, popping right back then right so so M mike you know that england basically teabagged india yeah. right like they they controlled it they yeah. occupied it all of the various subjugating the indians and that was the east india company that we're talking yes. about they, like they basically turned India in their own personal plantation. Oh, while they were saying slavery is bad. Oh, I know that. I know that yeah. part. By 1840, the England was very much about like slaves should be free. They had freed slaves technically, but they still had yeah. 
all yeah. these weird empire states where they paid people slave labor. Is it is it really slavery if you go to their house? True. Yeah. And then you set up your McMansion in their backyard. I, I would say that's a form of excessively bossy behavior rather than yeah. slave ownership. You know, very... Yeah, very Karen of England. It's lame, I'll give you that, but yeah. it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so unlike what a lot of people think, I, I f and I had kind of this notion, was that England kind of came in and controlled all of India all at once. It was actually a really slow process. It took over 100 years to control India. Uh, so I'll give you a little brief kind of history rundown to get to where we are now in India. Um, in 1757, a guy named Robert Clive won the Battle of Plassey and took over Bengal, where they have the tigers and jungle. And all that. Is that really a Bengay? We get, for uh, the sake of the story, I would say yes. Yeah, you just had to take the Bengal tigers and milk them, and you get Bengay. Uh, yeah. Tiger bomb, they Gosh, call it. So that's good. its, that's yeah. its non-pharmaceutical <laughs> yeah. name. Yeah. Shit works. Uh... That's what you do. Manatees, you milk them, you get Ranjan. <laughs> Surf shop? We all like a good visit uh, to the Ranjan store. Yeah, so that was when Robert Clive took over Bengal. That was like the first territory, just a tiny little territory in, in India. And then in 1799, they took over Mysore, the state of Mysore. And then after that, uh, the Martha, Marthas region fell in 1818. We're basically kind of working... If you uh, here's my great analogy. If you can imagine it like a horse's penis. Yes, yeah, so it's very uh, not erect. Right not now. erect, ladies. Not erect though. All right. You know how like it kind of goes inside. Yes. Yeah. It makes. Oh, actually, no. Sorry, I had a completely better analogy for what India. kind of penis are Just, you talking about? It's not a penis. Well, it is a penis. Just take sink all of Mexico. All right, like it's underwater. All right. Now take Texas and just like use the stretch tool and stretch it out a little bit. Awesome. Like a sword, kind of. I. That's that's what India. Here's looks the thing, like. you use this analogy for the Shanghai check, um, episodes we did. Sorry, I'm blanking. It was Shanghai check, right? Sh Shanghai check. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think people know what India looks like. People don't know what China looks like because it's just a blob. But India has <laughs> curves. India is like a. It's got a little. Yeah. It's a little nipple. Oh, yeah, so we're, we're India's kind of going up the, if you can imagine, their f original conquest is kind of controlling the west coast of that Nabi, right? And they're kind of working their way up towards uh, Afghanistan and Pakistan up there. Pakistan and then Afghanistan. Which are just India at that point. They aren't countries. Right. Um, they're just different areas. Um, so at the time, Burton joins the East India Company. Um, they had, the, the British had pressed on into the Northwest region, the Punjab region and modern day Pakistan and Afghanistan. And in that area, they were fighting mainly Sikhs and Afghans, the dudes they were fighting. Okay. Got that? <clears throat> yeah. Um, the guy that I, yeah? uh, the Verizon story is like a Sikh. <laughs> he was telling me. Cool. Yeah. Nice guy. Uh, so, uh, the first, the ongoing war at the time when, like, Burton's like, oh, I'm learning Hindustani and, like, I want to go fight with the British. 
The ongoing war was the first Anglo-Afghan war. And basically, Britain had taken Kabul. Um, but in January of 18, 1842, there was a massive attack um, on Kabul. And this idiot, we could probably roast this guy on his own, this na- guy named uh, Major, Gen- Major General William George Keith Ephestone, Ephestone, who's a complete idiot. Uh, he orders the surrender of Kabul and the retreat of Kabul and the city, the whole region. So 16,500 men, women, and children fled in the middle of the winter into these like frozen Khyber Pass and all this area. Most of them starved or froze. A lot of them were massacred or taken as slaves. But in the end, one man made it out to Jalalabad out of the 16,500. It was like, yo, there used to be more of us. Dog. <laughs> so that's 0%. You yeah, understand yeah. that percentage wise, it's nothing. Yeah. So no one made it. <laughs> he doesn't matter. Yeah. Sorry. I know everyone matters, but not him. Thanks. Sky God. doesn't matter. This is a beautiful world yeah. you made. Just people just get murdered and slaughtered and raped and whatnot. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, yeah. actually. <laughs> I'm just making a point. I'm thinking I'm laughing because you're right. <laughs> That's all. Yeah, and that one guy that made it back was Mike Regan, the senior. My great senior ancestor. Senior. Yeah, nice guy. He's a good dude. <laughs> Shame. Um, so with this with this complete blunder going on, the English obviously the papers are writing and they're all riled up about getting revenge, right? Um, so there was this whole surge of recruits in uh, 1842, and Richard Burton was one of them. Now, as we've discussed many times before, when you talk about the English Army, commissions for officer rank were bought, right? Mm. You didn't have to achieve <laughs> it through anything, yeah, right? You know, consider that, Mike. It's not very sick, because if you joined the Army, you would just be like... The shoe shine guy forever. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's like buying like a, a military outfit on Amazon with all the pins and shit. Yeah, <laughs> if you can, if if you own the outfit, you own the position. That's fucking pretty sweet. <laughs> uh, I mean, talking about Amazon, the modern day military is much like Amazon, right? You're never gonna make it up to the board member. You're gonna be get paid shit working in the warehouse. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey, mark your words, I'll be a blood boy soon enough when I get ripped and jacked and you healthy. Gonna tr- you gonna try to be a blood boy? I might have to be. That pays well there. It hurts like 25 G's a session. Yeah, I, um... Arrest- I, I, I've scared away many people talking about blood boys. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's it's <laughs> interesting as fuck, I think. I, I remember being at a show at Vitus, just like hanging out with a few people I kind of knew, and then somehow the topic of blood boy got brought up, and I was like... I was just like, no, I'm serious. It's like, it's crazy. I think it's so interesting like that people pay for that. It is very interesting. Well, it's also- totally, this is the weirdest tangent we've gone on for a long time, but. Yeah. It may have been the ambiance at Vitus with all the upside down crosses and like red lights. You're like, yeah, blood boys. Well, I was explaining to these people the actual economics of it because I looked into it with. It's good for your skin. Sure, but. <laughs> <laughs> It went from being like, oh, we're friendly, to, oh, these people never want to talk to me <laughs> very quickly. Hey, they're right, real so friends, if you, yeah. 
if, if you could afford a blood boy in the 19th century, you could just pay to become an officer in the army. And if you were a commoner, you just weren't. There's very few commoners that worked their way up to officer rank. So you'd be like in the it front lines, almost then, right? next to none. They like put you off. Yeah, and die. Oh, I mean that kind of sucks. Yeah, then. you're just a regular. <laughs> yeah, you're you're the chef. You're the guy in the front line. Well, chef's not that bad. Yeah, you're one of those dudes like sucking on bananas for TikTok just to keep your spirits up. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, this is uh, before they still play music when they go out and fight. At this point, no, right? Oh yeah, like that video game you saw online where they're like a guy running around with bagpipes. Like that's the time period. Uh. That's fucked. Yeah. To be out there, like, I have to play music and shit with this. Get hit by a fucking, like, mortar or something. We need a rad soundtrack out there, Sonny. <laughs> no, yeah. We need to mash the screaming. <laughs> Put a dunk on it. God. Uh, so, yeah. Richard doesn't need to be worried about being on the front line. He's got enough His dad's got enough money. So, Big Daddy Joe Burton uh, buys a commission for him. It costs 500 pounds, <laughs> which is a lot, you know, back in... 1840. Yeah. Um, now, Joe, remember, he wanted Richard to become a clergyman. He was like, this just isn't happening. I tried to send him to Oxford. He fucking took all of his boys to the horse race. Yeah. Like, he's just fighting people. He gave up. He's like, just join the East India Company. So, there we are. Um, on October 28th, 1842, Ensign Burton boarded the John Knox on route to Bombay, ready for action. Um, and now, yes, I know Bombay is its colonial name, and nowadays it's known as Mumbai. Back then it was Bombay, so we're going to call it Bombay, goddammit. Uh, Bombay sounds more fun. Yeah. It might be the wrong name, but... I can think of a I'm lot also, of wrong names that sound pretty fun. Hey, it's history, though. If yeah. you know what I mean. <laughs> it's history. Oh, yeah. Let me, there's a lot of those wrong names in the book I read because it was written in the 50s. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of gamer Trust words. Me. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's probably other cities that, that I'm referencing here that I don't even know have <laughs> changed. So if they have, you know, Let whatever, us know. I, I'm ignorant. It's India. Yeah, have fun know. sending us a message. Yeah. So let us know what you think in the comments below. Yeah, tag, like, and sh share your friends with um, Blood Boys. <laughs> the old boys. All right, let's, I'm going to stop tangenting. Continue, Travis. Yeah. So Richard was all stoked because, you know, he likes to you know, learn about different languages. Remember, his motto is like, for every land is a strong man's home, right? So he's like, I'm going to be there, and it's going to be my home because I'm a strong man. Um, and when he lands in Bombay, he's like, Ah, uh, India's gross. <laughs> yeah, I've got that reaction from a few friends who've gone there. Yeah. Uh, so he, one thing, he was very, he's deeply offended that the native Indians wore Western clothes. Why? It was one of his, because he was like, you're, it was, it was like a weird type of racism. This guy was definitely a racist, but it was like a weird type of racism where he's like, wait. It's almost like backwards cultural appropriation. He's like, you wear wonderful clothes already. How dare you wear Western clothes? Oh, I get uh. you. Yeah, where's your long <laughs> scarfy thing? That's all orange and shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I don't know. Do you think? Do you think that people would get offended? And I mean a specific group of people would get offended if I wore a FUBU shirt. Yes. Correct answer. That's why I don't do that. <laughs> 
Because <laughs> the name of the uh, cup what stands a, for For Us by Us. So I stopped wearing Jenko jeans. What about Sean John shirts? I don't know who Sean John belongs to racially. Okay. I'm pretty sure his mother is white. I think that, wasn't that uh, P. Diddy's company? Yeah, oh, it I is? was thinking of the other one. I was thinking of uh, what's his name? Sh- Sean King. Oh, Sh- Fat Farm. <laughs> the fattest of farms. First time I saw Echo, it was in a skate shop. Uh, tangent. Without Fat Farm or Echo, well, Echo bought New York, but without Fat Farm, there wouldn't be a New York. That is quite a because the guy that worked. That, like started well, it was Russell Simmons. We hired the guy that was like in the skate scene mm-hmm. that used all the fat farm equipment to make New York shit beautiful behind the scenes. I love it. <laughs> uh, anyway, tangent. I, I could see. I, all right, I could see. When I, the first time I went to Italy, I thought that all Europeans drove on the left on the right ah, left side of the road. I thought that was all over. So when I showed up, I was terribly disappointed, and I wanted to tell them. In my own way. You're on the wrong <laughs> side of the road, mean. buddy. <laughs> yeah. Turns out it's just yeah. England and a few other small spots. But uh, Oh, they drive like that? Yeah, like, you know, the, you know, the other side yeah, of the road. Yeah, it's only in England and shit. It's in England and, like, Hong Kong and oh, I think, like, weird. New Zealand, maybe? I could be wrong on that. Yeah, yeah. But it's not, it's not in Italy or Germany or any of those places. <laughs> Who, right. I mean, is it in Ireland where Matthew Broderick killed that person? That's why. Yeah. He looked the wrong way. Oh, fuck. Uh, Continue. Um, so yeah, he's he's got kind of like he's absolutely this guy's absolutely. I mean, this is also the 19th century, but he's absolutely a racist. But he's got this weird kind of like you dress dress like your culture because like it's be- like, like backwards. Yeah, backwards racism. Not even that. It's beautiful. It's like it, that's what you should be doing. You know. I mean, you say that like it holds some weight here. Oh, he's definitely racist. Of course he's racist. They're, they yeah. were all, that yeah, was the norm back, back then. Yeah. Like it's like don't yeah. don't be shocked. People listen to this. We're not shocked by no. that. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't trying to shock. I'm just you know laying down what, the line here. This is an anthropologist. What, what shirt are you wearing right now? I'm sorry. Is that oh. ice cube? <laughs> That's fucking amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. Ice T's face uh, with in ice it. cubes on top. Yeah, and a drink. <laughs> nice. That was badass. <laughs> so, so Bert, Burton lands in India. He's like already offended. He's disgusted. Um, and he, after witnessing a Hindu funeral and watching heads and limbs fall off the pyre. He had a bit of a cultural shock breakdown, so he asked a local surgeon if he could quarter at the sanatorium uh, because he was staying at this hotel, and he's like, people are yelling at me through the walls, and I'm watching bodies burn. (laughs) He's like, it's another crazy house. They didn't have live leak back then, so he's not used to all that stuff. Right. It makes sense. Um. Burton was ready to, when he got there, though, he was ready for action, right? He wanted to, like, go and start fighting. That was, like, one of the only ways you could really progress in the army is if you do fame and glory, right? But unfortunately, the day he left for the first Anglo-Afghan war, the day he first got on the boat in England, it was over. So he basically landed with nothing to do. (laughs) Wow. In any of the worst-case scenario. I mean, it, yeah, yeah and shit. I guess it means a lot. To a lot of these then. people that we've covered have experienced that. I mean, Walt Disney, Humphrey Bogart, yeah, George C. Yeah. Scott, 
uh, Oliver Reed. I mean, Disney and uh, Bogart, they both went to World War One, like as Am- Amnesty Day, Armistice Day was happening. Right. So, like, it gives them blue balls, people who want to fight, and then they don't have any. But they don't to... see that shit, so they don't have a first hand yeah. account of, like, what it really was like. Well, know? they don't see it. They just I... know it's glory yeah, in some capacity, and then it's taken away from them. Right. Shit. I mean, I think this guy would be closest to Oliver Reed, where, like, this guy is also very violent. Oh. Yeah. Like, I don't think Walt Disney and, like, and Humphrey Bogart were all that violent. No, but, like, George C. Scott was, like, yeah, George C. Scott. He's too, the most yeah. violent in Hollywood, mm-hmm. and the most fun. So he's ready to like go fight and like chop head. This is when they're still using sabers and shit like that. So he wants to, like <laughs> oh, so- chop some heads off. Um, but he was assigned to the 18th Native Infantry. So this was they had they called them sepoys, like Native troops that were Indian, and they were like trained by, um. British officers and some regulars is in there too. Um, and they moved him to Barbadoa, which is north of Bombay. Um, now, unlike most officers in India who just went over there and either died from some type of like what climate related disease, or if they survived, they would just get hammered most days and just be drunk their entire time in India. Richard, he did not to say he didn't get drunk, but. He took to language. That was he loves language. He's a linguistic. So he dove headfirst into the cultures and languages of India with the help of a native teacher who and over the course of his military career during just this period that we're going to be talking today, um he learned Hindustani, Guadatardi, um Punjabi, Sindhi, Sakari, Mathari, Persian and Arabic. Wow, that's a lot of gobbledygook. (laughs) Big brain, this boy. Holy fuck! They got a big brain. Hey, barely no Spanish, bro. Fucking. This got to be a weird departure too, because he's doing a lot of. um... He knew German, right? He before this he knew Portuguese, Italian, French, a lot of Latin-based languages, though, right? Yeah, like yeah, he had taught himself Arabic. Kind of and Hindustani. He said he preferred non romance, non uh, like European language. It is interesting the leaps and bounds. Like Americans are so terrible with languages because I think yeah. there's like a certain pride instilled in Americans, which is like a falsity in which they don't want they don't want to like be assholes when they pronounce things in other languages. This is yeah. something I've heard yeah. from my father-in-law, who knows five languages. They don't want to, like... Butcher a word? They don't want to butcher a word, so they try to say it in, like, how an American palate would say it, which doesn't yeah. make any sense. Let me sense. get a quesadilla, please. Yeah, well, even, like, genuine... People who are genuinely trying to pronounce things right. The only way you can ever learn a language is to mock the people. You have to 100% be a caricature of what it sounds like. You can't be like, I'm an American. This is my, you, you know. Fake it to make it. Yeah, you have to like, yeah. like I, I've talked to Gab about this. Like, a lot of Portuguese sounds really lazy. Pretend like you're Portuguese. You can't pick any of that apart. Like, yeah. I have to make a cartoon character of myself to sound right. And Americans hate doing that. And I just went on another yeah. tangent. Me no sabe. Yeah. Well, we, we, will, we will kind of talk about... Great way is that he learned how to speak languages too, which I think absolutely agree, like agree with one hundred percent what you were talking about. 
Um, so the life of a British officer. So, all right, all right. Sorry, where are we? So he's learning these languages. And generally the life of a British officer when there wasn't an active war was pretty much just like a vacation abroad. You got to do whatever the fuck you wanted. So Burton tried riding alligators. Oh, he took sick. lessons. He took lessons from a snake charmer. He even learned Indian wrestling and horseback riding, which he said were far better than European techniques. I gotta ask. Now, does that mean putting it in the brown ass? Of a horse? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> wrestling and horseback riding. It's the Indian style. Uh... They do it so much better. It's dirty. It's filthy. There's no hand washing whatsoever. It's really gritty. <laughs> Some guy just got time for raping horses in, like, Nevada. Really? Like, it was in the news. You know what? Good. I mean, he deserves it. Yeah. I put those horses in jail, too. They were obviously putting out mixed signals. <laughs> obviously. Big asses. So he, he thought Indian wrestling and horseback riding were better, but, well, you know, remember, he's a fencer. He's a swordsman. He found Indian swordsmanship lacking because... Yeah, he noticed that they just used the blade and not the point of their sword. So he actually set up a fencing school to teach native Indian sepoys how to fence. Okay. That's nice of him. For a racist. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, Burton, had his father was a huge hunter, and so was his brother. We'll talk about his brother a little later. Um, but both of them were big hunters. Burton had, like, a weird soft spot for animals. Uh, but he did try hunting uh, while he was in India, uh, and he shot a monkey. And this is a quote. He said, uh, one of the big, it was one of the biggest remorses of my life. It cried like a child, and I can never forget that. Haunts me to this day. Yep. And this was late in life. That quote came, like, literally, like, late in life. Yeah. Like, I guess his, shooting this monkey was, like, <laughs> a big, yeah. <laughs> I would hate to shoot a monkey. Me too. Or I would never bottom. shoot a monkey, damn it. I love animals, except when they're served on burgers. Yeah, you hate them. I don't see it. I just see it come out of the fucking oven. Out of the grinder. Oh, yeah, the meat grinder. Your mouth doesn't water <laughs> when you pass some cows on a road trip? Nah. Yeah, I'm like, we'll have poop coming uh, out of that thing. Yeah, you know, that's squeezing out of there. <laughs> I do have to say, on the Idaho, uh... Idaho, Oregon border, it just smells terrible. So many slaughterhouses. Oh, so much so much like, death poop and old dead cows. Isn't like the pig processing really stinky? Uh, cows smelled pretty bad to me. Maybe there was pigs there too. It's probably a bit of everything. Probably, yeah. Um, so I mentioned he had a soft spot for animals, but that didn't mean this is a rough and tumble guy. He's not gonna be like, Oh, I love that bunny. He's like, I wanna see that bunny fight a dog. Or something like that. He's huge into do into into animal fight. If you're into animal fight, you don't have a soft spot for dogs or <laughs> anything. Any animal. Chimp, he's just chimpanzees. He's just like, ah, I shot this thing. I wish that thing was shooting another one of its thing. <laughs> Maybe it would shut up and stop crying. Maybe feel yeah. bad. <laughs> Maybe it died with some fucking dignity. I wouldn't be like so upset about that. So uh, he, he, he would go watch the, they'd have these events, like kind of like the Indian version of like, great digger. Oh. Right? Like, oh, so shit. they'd have like elephants versus tigers fighting each other. That's not fair. Ti tigers versus water buffaloes. Okay, that'd be cool. You know, and he'd go to these events. He even got his own fighting cock um, to do some cock fighting with. Dangerous stuff. He named it 
he named it Bushal, which means dragon in some type of Indian dialect. Um, he loved this bird, and eventually it died, and he gave it a proper burial behind his bungalow. Um, Respect. Now, uh, the thing was, was uh, Burton at the time was not only into just cockfighting with birds, but also with his regular old cock dick. Nice. Was he doing um, a little uh, sword fighting? Uh, no. No, uh, there was many there was many allegations of him sword fighting, but I don't believe he did. Maybe he tried it, you know, maybe he gave it a little try. Yeah, the one off. But at the time, at the time he had a native mitri- mistress named which a slang for that was a boo-boo. Like boo-boo. I wouldn't be able to take that seriously one bit. Yeah. Um and there was a rumor since people saw him burying his cockfighting bird in the back of his bungalow, there's a rumor that that was actually like a baby that he was burying from him and his boo boo. Oh, all right, alive. I don't know. His, his quote was uh, when questioned about it, he said that I have an infallible recipe to prevent maternity. Oh, it's called punching a pregnant lady in the stomach. <laughs> We're gonna start to kind of enter how this guy learns his languages, right? So speaking of his love life and his love for languages, he thought one of the best ways to know, learn a new language, you got to get balls deep in it. Yeah, you know? that's true. You got to learn that language from your mistress, you know? Yeah, that's, that's a good way to learn. So you find a woman. Yeah. That speaks the native tongue. And you I have mean, to spend you, time with her. You have to soak. You have to and soak. learn your alphabet and grammar. Okay, so he would sleep with women... And he would, he wouldn't speak the same language as them. Well, he already had like a, he already had like a relative because he was a brainy boy, so he always kind of knew a little bit. But mainly, the women would like help him with his grammar, and like pronunciations, you know, like help and... him along. Yeah, he have like the base level down. They'd be like, "All right, now it's time to bone. Time to find someone to like really brush up, master this language." Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I respect it. So it's like he throws at a stone of the day. There's a pretty good book yeah. on this very same topic that you're talking about. A book called really? Ultra Learning. <laughs> Ultra Learning? Yeah. Uh, by a guy named Scott Young. I read this book <laughs> a while ago, and uh, if you're looking to master a trade or a uh, skill of sorts, uh, he's got some tips in there. And one of them, especially with language, is like full immersion. Uh, he learned it from someone else, like this technique of just like, like abandoning your own language. And he mm. learned, the guy learned like four languages in a year just by going Damn. to the countries and like, ah, I got to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I got to learn one Tom language. Tom Penny's like that. Who? Tom Penny, pro skater. Does he know mad languages? He knows every, like, most European languages. That's very cool. Because he, he, he would spend time in like different places and he would like come back speaking like fluent, whatever. Yeah. It's a good thing. You got to. It's full immersion. I think yeah. everyone knows that deep down inside. Every Spanish class yeah. that they teach you in high school is a total waste of your time. Oh yeah, without a doubt, I didn't learn shit. Oh yeah, yeah. learned more I in learned the kitchen m- than fucking. Yeah, class. I was gonna say I learned more working even at that deli where we had to talk to the Spanish guys in the back. Yeah, yeah dude. I learned in high school. That's where we learned about Montaquilla. Yeah, Montaquilla. <laughs> that means big butt in Spanish. Uh. <laughs> look it. Look it up. <laughs> Montaquilla para los niños. Chupalapanga. <laughs> uh, so Burton also learned. He just helped learning the language for this mistress. 
Uh, but he studied Ismac, or the art of delayed coming. Oh, that's what Sting uh, does. Uh, kind of. This was more like, this isn't kind of like Sting, where it's like, that just too. like sitting around and soaking there. This is what he wrote um, in terms of uh, Ismac. He said it's the essence of retaining, uh, the the essence of the retaining art is to avoid hypertension of the muscles and to preoccupy the brain. Hence, in in coation, the Hindus will drink sherbet, chew battle nut, or smoke. I got to take you. just got to like. All right. Going my technique. What's your technique? <laughs> you're, you're about to, you know, you know, have your business blow. Okay. And you like, I would think about Guy Fieri, like, like diners driving to dive, and I would just lose that feeling immediately. Oh. And then I go, go, be good for another twenty minutes. <laughs> and then it's specifically Guy Fieri. Yeah, I don't know why he'd always pop in my head. I would just get lose all of my like extreme right. horniness and be like, all right, I'm good to go. Keep doing this. And, yeah, yeah, that's smart. Yeah. Well, he, I think you should message him about that. Be like, Thanks, <laughs> yeah. Fieri. You made me not you embarrass made, myself you made me many times. my donkey sauce. <laughs> yeah. You're perfectly unhot. That's a free tip for everyone that's listening. Well, that's basically what he's talking about. He's saying that this, and he thought it was like weird. He was like English people and like Europeans, like they just pump, and when they're ready to come, they just come. Yeah, because nah, they're busy. That. They're industrialists. They need to get on to the next thing. These Indian people, they're like, ah, it's hot outside. Gotta kill some. Time. I don't have a job anyway. <laughs> it's a fucking caste system. I'm gonna be poor oh, forever. It is. Why not yeah. do a? Why not spend all day doing a sex? Hey. Well, he's. He said that Hindu women could not be satisfied with anything under 20 minutes. He documented that. That's a long time. I've gone for like an hour and been like, holy fuck, never again. Never having sex ever again. In my I life. don't think any Hindu women listen to this show. But if you, if you are, let me know. Um, but I mean, let Mike know because I'm not interested. That's a long... Oh, man. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Wow, Mike. 15's enough. <laughs> 20's overtime? You gotta do that's, overtime. Yeah, that's, that's Guy Fieri times, like, two. You gotta think of, like, something else. <laughs> it's when you hear something distracting you at the 12-minute mark, and you gotta start over again. You're like, oh, shit. Oh, you gotta switch to Gordon Ramsay. It's that Chinese food I had. That's why it's going limp. God, it's the amount of salt I've been eating, I swear. <laughs> yeah. Well... Well, uh, Mike, you can try one of his techniques and start drinking sherbet in the middle, or like chew chew, chew on some nuts or Uh, smoke. Yeah, eat some cashews. (laughs) Um. So, Burton actually, uh, besides all the fucking, he started studying Hinduism under a Brahmin, um, and he studied so much that this Brahmin actually allowed him to wear the janio or Brahmanical thread. Apparently, some you have to be Hindu to wear this like thread thing. Some drip, and he was he became one of the leading experts at the time of the Hindu religion just from <laughs> studying it. And he again, he stayed, he remained an atheist his entire life, but he would study all these things, like go balls deep in them, all these different religions. That's cool. Um, Richard started to dress and mingle with the locals, something that was unheard of for an English officer, right? They were just like, oh, we don't want to hang out with them. His fellow officers called him the white N-word. Oh, all right. 
I bet you that was yeah. pretty normal back then. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of rude. Now, also, a lot of that. Richard used the N-word as well in a lot of his writings, but uh, yeah, it was just kind of common for anyone that just wasn't white. Yeah, 19th century. Remember, we're dealing with like peacetime in India, so he's this is how he's getting to do all this stuff. But in 1844, a general named Sir Charles Napier uh, fought a batter, battle in Hyperbad. Um which is an area that's like now in modern day Pakistan. And that area was generally called Sindh. And he wrote back a a letter back to British command in Bombay saying, "Forgive me, I'm in sin, I have sinned." Because he had broken a treaty with the locals. Oh, <laughs> comedians. Yeah. Gosh. <laughs> well, how, um, how like how? How are you not going to write that? I know, right? Yeah. It's right there. Um, so Sindh had fallen and fallen into British hands, and Burton, who had been studying Hindustani, which is that, that area that apparently I learned last week, thanks to Connor, I just thought that was some old 50s racism. Hindustani is Pakistani and Hindu mashup. Um, so uh, he'd been studying Hindustani since England, and he got the opportunity to join Charles Napier's force up in Pakistan. He took multiple language tests to become an interpreter through the army and passed all of them top of his class. So he boarded a ship for Karachi, which is like the capital of Pakistan, to that, join boys. up with Napier. Karachi? It was a map in Modern Warfare 2. Wow, <laughs> this is a good time to take a piss. <laughs> Sorry, Travis. In Karachi, uh, Burton took his immersion, of na- his immersion of native cultures even further. So in 1845, Burton opened up three small shops in Karachi's market. That's probably where you were fighting in Call of Duty. I was. That's crazy. <laughs> right where Richard Burton was selling uh, tobacco, uh, cloth, just uh, disguised himself as one of the locals. Good memories there. Yeah. And he, so it was interesting because he, I mean, he'd been in India long enough now where he was like dark enough to kind of fit in with the locals. (laughs) Good tan going. Uh, Are you sure? He had a good base tan. We'd see how he gets a little bit darker in the future. Um, But at this point, I don't think he's using the the technique we're going to be talking about. Um, uh, And yeah, he also shaved his head when he got there, which is, you know, now in the army, like everyone shaves their head because you know you don't get lice and you can't get grabbed by the hair. But back then, it, that was weird. He would wear a wig. He just would, and this wasn't like revolutionary times where like people wear powdery wigs. He just would wear a, a fake wig and be bald. That's awesome. Yeah. So he started selling cloth and tobacco down in the shop in Karachi. And uh, this gave him an opportunity to master his languages as well as get the local lowdown, right? Uh, He recorded all of the local folklore, magic, uh, wedding ceremonies, customs. And, of course, he recorded a series of boobs of the various people groups. Respect. Got to draw them titties. Nice. uh, Information purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Through this local <laughs> lowdown, he got invited to the local opium dens and bang parties. Oh. That's, yeah. Bang is B-H-A-N-G. And bang is basically like drinkable weed. 
You can still get it like in India and Africa. I've heard of that, like weed wine they have. Yeah. Make weed out of everything. These Better days. than Jankum. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah. uh, through these shady connections, Burton was able to become aware of the homosexual activity happening in Karachi. Now, was that taboo although, though? There, isn't that taboo in India? Well, the thing is, is um, a majority of this the Sindh area, right in um, like modern day Pakistan, Karachi, a big portion of uh, the population were actually Muslim up there. Like you still had Hindus. There's a lot of Muslims, and at the time, which is kind of interesting, homosexuality was regarded as what he called peccadillo or a small sin. So, like, you get away with having gay sex oh. if you were a Muslim back. I think people have always gotten away with having gay sex. Yeah, but now because of the you know the imams and shit in that region, you'll get stoned to death yeah, in the yeah. street. Oh <laughs> yeah, Muslims are no fun. They just aren't. back then they were. Well, someone's yeah. got to ruin it for everyone. I'm talking about the 9/11 guys. <laughs> like those people aren't fun. The Ayatollah and on those are. Yeah. It's... So he. He specifically wrote this about Afghans. He said, Afghans are commercial travelers on a large scale. Each caravan is accompanied by a number of traveling boys and lads, almost all in women's attire with cold eyes, rogue cheeks, long tresses, and hennaed fingers and toes. They are called the Sucha Safari, or traveling wives. Oh, so this is child molestation. <laughs> On a grand scale. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Clinton Foundation levels here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Epstein Island or uh, Epstein, Epstein Land. Afghan. Yeah. Well, that's... Um, God, it sucks to be that. That's what I know. Yeah. Um, Burton also discovered a bunch of gay brothels in Karachi, and he found out that a lot of English officers and soldiers were freq- frequently frequenting them <laughs> right it's for my anthropology that's the only reason i'm discovering these so burton disguised himself as an arab this time and in order for him to look even darker he tanned his face black he just applied you know like jersey shore getting henna fake tattoos <gasps> like rachel Dolezal. all over it yeah <laughs> yeah rachel Dolezal. that she's hanging out there being black even though she's irish very good yeah. Very good for her. Progressive. So he hennaed his face black and then infiltrated the three gay, major gay brothels in Karachi. And he may have been in, he may have been instructed <laughs> to do this by his superior officer Napier to like kind of weed out and see what's going on. But in I read two different sources and they both said two different things. Like one, yeah, he was, or he just did it because he wanted to like learn about it. Yeah, yeah, I need to learn about this gay sex I've been hearing about. Let me try it out. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, I'm going undercover. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'll take a, a booth, please. Yeah, if you want to stick a couple of those breadsticks in my ass. <laughs> well, so Burton, he had kept a journal his entire life, and he logged everything that he found. And this is what he found out, that in these brothels, there were two, mainly two types of uh, merchandise you could buy. There were eunuchs. With no balls or boys. Those are your two options. Oh, cool. So yeah. you couldn't suck on balls. Well, he said that the boys were usually were double in price than the eunuchs because he said that the balls 
or the the boys still had balls that they could use as quote sort of a bridle for the animal. What a bridle for the animal? This is uh, I didn't think we were gonna go into the most gay sex ever on the show. Who we are? But uh, was was bridle? A bridle is some you know when you when you see a saddle and there's a little knob that you can hold on to to make sure that's a ball sack, right? Yeah, that's what he's saying. The boys are double in value because they have balls and can be like steered around with their oh, balls. Oh, okay, okay. It's <laughs> cool, right? Yeah, I mean that's very cool. Child molestation is not cool. God, I you, love, you can have gay sex India. all you want. But you can't, I don't think <laughs> sex with boys is cool. This is India. They still do this. I'm guessing. They probably do. They have to. They have to. I mean, they have to to get yeah, by. Yeah. This is Afghanistan. Or Pakistan, I'm sorry. No, I mean, this isn't even <laughs> India. Pakistan. Uh, yeah. uh, yes. They're all so, very uh, nice over there. I'm sure, just... it's, I'm sure all the boys were signed up for this. They definitely yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. No, it was yeah. by choice. Yeah. By sure. choice, yeah. 100%. Yeah, I mean, I also feel bad for the eunuchs, too. They literally don't have balls. <laughs> it's probably by choice, though. We have, yeah. to, we have to not discriminate brave. against these eunuchs. Yeah, that's very brave of that's them to get rid of their balls. Balls chopped off. Oh, my God. Um, How's that so his. His full report was submitted to Napier, um, and this report would come back to bite him in his ass, because what I just said was, like, he went into more details. We, the sub- report doesn't survive today. This is all... We'll get into why a it's lot like of dark, his stuff didn't web. survive, but um, the report in full didn't survive, but it was highly detailed on the sexual activities. Right. Oh, <laughs> yeah. detailed. His report, his, like, uh, Napier is probably, like, God damn it, man! I told you to just tell me where it is, what time it's open, and how how many people are in it. And you've written to me precisely how many strokes it took for you to get off inside this eunuch's asshole. <laughs> you went seven hundred times. How to make sure? He was practicing his ismac. Yeah, ismac. Yeah, yeah. Do they have lisps in ismac? <laughs> Um, so this clandestine infiltration into gay sex had to be cut short in 1847 uh, because he was sent on a survey of northern Sindh. And while on the survey, the first Sikh war broke out and Burton uh, tried to get redeployed into the action but was denied. Um, mainly from what we'll learn is because of this report he wrote. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Um, but Burton was reassigned to a different uh, colonel, Colonel Corncellis, Corcellis, Corcellis. And uh, Colonel Corcellis was in, north of Karachi in a place called Rodi. Um, and again, Burton pressed and pressed for action. But Corcellis was like, nah, dude, I'm not sending you into battle. Just hang out, do whatever the fuck you've been doing. I don't give a shit. There might so be Burton, some gay people over there to go inspect. I don't know if that's something you're into. Uh, so Burton then, to get on the good side of Corcellus, he wrote Corcellus an epitaph. Uh, and he published it to all of the troops. And it said, Here lieth the body of Colonel Corcellus. The rest of the fellow I fancy in hell is. Awesome. This is really poetic and funny. It's deep. And deep. definitely accurate. Yeah. Hey, why do you write him an epitaph? Does he want to like, murder him? Pre- like He's just like foreshadowing his murder? Yeah, he just was like, oh, you're dead to me. 
I'm gonna go right. Oh, well, that's fucking. Yeah. To your boss, though, right? You know what I mean? Like you don't, and you just, you just got employed with this guy. <laughs> that's a little awkward. I'll say that. Yeah. Hmm. So remember how Burton shot the monkey, and he couldn't get the screams out of his mind. <laughs> yeah. Get, those boy screams don't really mean anything to him. <laughs> no, yeah. he didn't dwell on those. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, quiet now. I've heard it all before. <laughs> But he kept thinking about the monkey, and he thought, hey, what if monkeys have a language? So he wrangled up a bunch of monkeys that and <laughs> brought them into his <laughs> house and lived with them for a month. He dined with them. He had his servant tend to them. He gave them names and professions like a chaplain, aide-de-camp. And one of them, he called his wife and put pearl earrings in her ears. It's that weed juice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. This is what those hardcore right-leaning people were warning against all the gay sex. They're like, well, you're just going to be having sex with monkeys soon. This is going to be crazy. You know, the nut jobs on TV who say all the terrible things about marginalized people? Yeah. They were right, apparently. But just for one guy. He was into ZooTube. Just for Richard Burton. <laughs> yeah. So Richard documented 60 distinct simian language sounds, and he would, like, be talking to them, too, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, but eventually he got <laughs> bored. Sick. Yeah, eventually he got <laughs> bored, and he was like, I want to return to studying human languages, and then I guess he just let the monkeys go or something. Probably started so, throwing shit at him. He was like, just taking his shit and throwing at him. I pooped on his head, his bald ass head, while he was. Like, what does this mean, a monkey? Well, <laughs> <I hate> you. <laughs> short shortly after this monkey experiment, he got cholera. So, <laughs> oh, a lot of poop being thrown around, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to think, Monkey Man from Hey Arnold probably had hella cholera. Facts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Burton was shipped back to the sanatorium in Bombay that he oh. stayed in by choice. Um, he recovered and was given two years sick leave. How do you fix that back then? They just, like, rub it off? Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's probably some fucking mercury involved, yeah. some scraping. Oh. One oh, thing that he... Cholera will pass if you have clean water, right? Yeah. One thing that he never did that was very popular at the time was bloodletting. Apparently, and they had they have actual devices. It was like this little box that you put on your arm, and they'd like like a punch stamp thing, and it would cut your arm, and you just like let it bleed for a while. Oh, and they I said it was that. like getting rid of the cholera. But Richard was like, "That's dumb." <laughs> That's I like having leeches suck my on blood. You. Yeah, it goes it to was my like, penis. Damn it! It was the more. It was True. like the iPhone of leeches because it was a device. It was mechanical. <laughs> nice. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Um, so he took his two-year sick leave to ex use the... Uh, he took the opportunity to explore Goa, which is on, like, the um, west... The east side of India. And while exploring Goa with a Portuguese and Arab companion, he came across a Christian convent that had been there for a few centuries. Uh, now, Burton said that he was looking for a convent for his sister, and uh, so the head nurse let him, or head nun let him into the convent and introduced him to all of the nuns and the that would be tutoring his sister in the ways of becoming a nun. And Burton caught the glimpse of a very hot Latin teacher nun 
I was like, yes, I think this sister will do great on my penis. I mean, my s- sister. <laughs> Good. Hey. I don't blame him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah? I love the Latinas. What's not to like? Exactly. Uh, so, uh, he started boning this Latin teacher in secret, but of course, it's really hard to bone when you're in like a, yeah, like a church. Or, yeah, uh, there's guards. Yeah. You have prioresses or like the head nuns that like. Probably very quiet at night, nuns. too. You probably can hear that bed creak or whatever the fuck they're in. Just in a valley, banging in a cave or something. Yeah, well, so Richard came up with a plan to break out the hottie nun out of the convent. So he sent his going servant to the convent with a bottle of cognac uh, to the head prioress. And when she was drunk, good and drunk, uh, he, him and a, um, his Arab friend, uh, they had spiked the tobacco of the guards with some narcotics. So they all knocked out. Now, Burton described him, uh, disguised as, himself as an Arab, along with his friend Kuladad, uh, snuck into the convent, both armed with knives. Unfortunately, Burton made a wrong turn, and instead of going to the Latin teacher's room, he ended up into the ugly sub-prioress's room. It's like a oh. real horrible-looking woman. Nasty. You know what? He yeah. should have just followed through anyway. Well... The thing was, it's, you know, this is before electricity, so it's dark. So Richard and Culladad, they, not knowing that this woman was, like, not the hot Latin teacher, took the sub-prioress out of the convent, and once on the outside, she started screaming, and they looked at her face, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, Richard said, Culladad, we have eaten filth. How shall we lay this she-devil? And Culladad said, Slit or cut her throat, uh, huh. and, then, and then Burton said, "No, that will not do. Hog tie her, gag, and gag her with your neckerchief, and leave her." And they just hog tied her and left her outside the convent. Well, she certainly died. <laughs> well, no, they found her in the morning, and then they doubled the guards. And Burton was like, "I'm not risking my life again for this Latin teacher," and that was the end of that. Can you go back in and get that shit? No. You gotta act like all surprised. You show up and you go, uh, "What do you mean, my twin brother was here? <laughs> what do you mean? Did he follow me? He loves ugly women and hog tying him up." This <laughs> kink. Now Burton had two years of sick leave, but he decided it was boring. I guess just being a regular person drifting around India. So he reported back to duty in only four months. And once he did, he passed some more exams in Persian. And he came down with some weird eye disease that we don't really know exactly what it was, but he was, like, kind of going half blind. But it was, like, a temporary thing. It was, like, pink eye, I guess. Maybe he was looking at a nun's butthole or something. Yeah. All right. Well, I can imagine. With all that traveling and a lack of washing hands, pink eye is around the corner. Yeah. Uh, he returned to Sindh on this northern expedition that he was on before, but his eyes, eye problem got worse, and the rest of the s- survey team had to pick up his slack. Um, and so while his eyes were all fucked up, he got himself a new language teacher, or what they call a moshi in that area, and they started working on mastering his Arabic. 
Um, and during this period, he started to intensely study Islam and the Quran. Um, he also started studying Sikhism, which was uh, the people they were fighting. Because he's like, hey, you know, I gotta, gotta know all the shit. Richard took up another hobby, alchemy, and tried to produce gold while half blind. Um, there's no better time to try to make gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Um, he said that uh, while his eyes were weak, his brain was getting stronger. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I say uh, that too. <laughs> Eventually, he, his eyes did get better. Um, and he kind of decided to roam around a little bit more disguised as a native with henna on his face and shit. And he began to document the sinned area in his journals. And now Burton found, and this would be like a common thing that he uses as a disguise. He disguised himself as a half Arab, half Persian trader because it was a good way to disguise his pronunciations. Because like, I guess he wasn't super common. Like he hadn't been to Arabia and he hadn't really, it's kind of, dancing on the outside of Persia. Just have a good story. Yeah, so he's like, I'm half Arab, half Persian. Like, I'm going to have a weird accent. And he, his name that he used was Milsa Abdullah. Okay. So, as Abdullah, Burton set up shops again, getting, like, the real scoop on from the locals, smashing as many girls as he could, you know, all this shit. And around that time, the Second uh, Anglo-Afghan War broke out in 1848, and Richard, again, was itching for action. And he was like, hey, let me get on the front lines. I want to, like, go slice some people up. And uh, he really argued the fact that he knows the language of the enemy. So, like, you should hire me to, like, go be close to them. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, he was refused because... Napier had left the East India Company about a year before this, and his report about the gay brothels were sent to HQ in, in uh, Bombay, and they were all just like, whoa, how does an English gentleman write about butts and anuses in this manner? <laughs> Easy. Yeah, anyone could do it, really. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they were not going to promote him. They were not going to take any of his requests. And somehow the word got out to Burton that this report was the reason why he wasn't going to get any advancements in the army. Um, and now he's 28 years old at the time, and he had spent seven years in India, and he felt like it was a complete waste of his time because he's like, well, I'm never going to get promoted now that I wrote this gay brothel report. <laughs> Too much detail, man. Yeah. You can sell it maybe later on, though. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Copy it. Yeah. Well, we'll see. He gets into erotica a little later okay, in his life. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> we, we can't help but notice that you labeled your report semen like lava. <laughs> Couldn't help it. <laughs> it was flowing. Uh, so, playing up his eyes that were kind of better now and his whole bout with cholera, um, he was able to convince the medical board of officers that he was unfit for duty and he was granted indefinite sick leave on half pay and was free to return to England. Um, now, the time, by the time he reached Bombay, remember, he's all the way up in northern Pakistan right now. By the time he reaches Bombay, he actually gets sick, and he got so sick that he had to be carried onto the ship to go oh, back wow. to the UK. Um, and That's good. 
Yeah. He's like, oh, that's what happens when you like play sick and then you get sick, right? <laughs> Crying wolf. Right. You took off like three days from work and you're like sick and then you get sick and you're like, fuck, what do I do? This, this is not sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in late... In late 1848, he reaches England. He recovers from this bout of sickness. But now he's angry and directionless um, after leaving his off, his, uh, you know, leaving the army. He doesn't know what he's going to do with his life. After some brief cousin touching in England, um, he decided to join his family back that were back in Pisa. Remember, they really like Italy a lot. So... His mom and dad are in Pisa. His sisters are in Pisa. The only person missing from the Burton clan was his brother, Edward. Remember, Edward was his, um, like, brother in crime when he was a baby boy. Of course. He's a good guy. I remember him. Yeah. So Edward was actually serving also in the military in Sri Lanka. Um, and he was working as a surgeon major in the 36th Regiment. Now, Richard and Edward had tried to meet up while serving in India, but plans had fallen through. And although Richard would see eventually see his brother again, he kind of wouldn't really see his brother again. You see, Edward went on an elephant hunt and had the shit kicked out of him by some locals so badly that he became a human vegetable and remained that way for 40 years. Oh, oh no. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's an ass beaten. You'll say so, I can say that. Jeez. Um. Oh, so, damn. So over the next four years, Richard decided to turn his journals into published books, with not so much success. So we're talking from the age of twenty-eight to thirty-two. No one wants to read those books. It's too young. <laughs> not enough experience. Yeah. Now, not only did these uh, books describe the cultures and regions of India, but they also, again, this isn't a, a surprise, but they also almost cross the board described how racist he was. Like, I mean, he went after Jews, Catholics. He especially went after the British, Portuguese, the N-words. <laughs> like, it was like carte blanche, like nihilistic racism. <laughs> All right. Yeah. There, um, and I guess the audience wasn't there. Yeah, you know, it was not 2022, you know, not there. I think it's the idea of, like, if it's so already in the public sphere, yeah, then to write a book on it's kind of dumb. Right. Like, especially if you don't offer any new insights. So part of his whole prejudice, theory, he came up with, like, a, a theory, an actual theory, and this was that... Women were way more horny and slutty the warmer the climates. And the colder climates, they were more cold and prude. And he would stand by this theory for the rest of his life. How do you feel about that theory? Me? Um, Personally? Both of you. I find it false. False, eh? <laughs> you think that the fucking... You think that the Swedish are just dripping all the time, and the ones down south are... All tight-lipped and won't, uh, don't want to look at your. I just think it depends on the person. They don't really. want to look at your pecker. They want to. They, they so no thanks. I'm making <laughs> spicy food. Put that pecker away. Uh, yeah, I think it all depends on the person, honestly. Okay, so no on the theory. Then. Yeah. Okay. That's my, my. I've had someone, a Canadian woman write me a letter that she wanted to have children with me. Oh yeah. 
and details. You should have taken it. You should have gone and to I, Canada. I, I fucked up royally <laughs> with this one. Yeah, you could have just gone in and disappeared. Life's full of regrets. It yeah. is. It's a series of regrets, regrets. and explosions. <laughs> and Guy Fieri thinking. <laughs> I mean, I, I agree with Mike, but even if this theory did exist, I get way too sweaty in southern climates. Well, AC, Travis. I just slip right off, you know? Like... Yeah, you're 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 down Louisiana going. I'm not up for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nah, I'll take another uh, another cocktail, please, in Nolens. Yeah, I mean that theory obviously is dumb, but um, I don't know. Are Inuits horny? Inuit, what does that mean? Probably, dude. The, I don't know. I've Eskimo. seen Eskimo. Some... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, you gotta be nothing else to do but build snow and, and fuck. Yeah, but like. If I was cold all the time? Oh, yeah, it's hard to get hard in the cold climate. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, but best way to stay warm is two naked bodies touching each other. Like That's if, if we were, No, if we were in a plane crash, we'd all have to get naked and like lay next to each other. It's Florida. <laughs> <laughs> crash is Florida. Everyone get naked. Everyone down. Wait, what? Guys, line up. I'll be the first in the line. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Uh, well,. Yeah, I'll never Continue. get on play with you guys. Yeah, so he, <laughs> Lady, ladies, write in about your theory. Do you agree <laughs> yeah. with Sir Richard Burton's theory about the uh, climate coitus? Well, later in his life, he would expand on this theory and write up an actual formal theory. Like, there's a section of spoilers. He's going to go on to write the translation of Arabian Nights, and in the footnotes, he writes a literal, like, huge ass footnote about his so. Uh, sotatic zone theory and this sotatic zone theory apparently I think it's sotate uh, sotad is a um, a Greek philosopher um, but in this theory it says that men were more likely to be sodomites and pedophiles when they le le lived in certain tropical zones wow that's yeah. heavy handed yes yeah, I don't know about that the, the thing is is when I say like some tropicals don't like hold on. I mean, I, I can see that. Yeah, I mean, you're I want like outside and you're like wearing a lot of clothes and fucking I, dudes I, are horny and shit. I just I want know. you to, I want you guys to actually take a look at this because it's, it is pretty ridiculous. It's not all tropical zones. Like he just lumps both of the Americas <laughs> into this and like all of eight, like China, just for no, just for shits and giggles. Let me see. Hold on, let me look at this link now. <laughs> yeah, so the Sotatic Zone, it's all of the Americas. Morocco across to Egypt in a little strip. All of Spain and Portugal. <laughs> a lot of Italy. Most of the Middle East. India. Japan. Uh, Japan definitely looks like Australia's in the clear. Yeah, that's China. Russia's, Russia's good though. Russia doesn't do that shit. Yeah, Russia's fine. Well, it's too cold too up cold. there. Even yeah, yeah. You can't fuck. Uh, <laughs> so apparently that's a lot of uh, pedophiles there. Yeah, um, I mean there there probably is a lot of pedophiles in those zones. I think if you were to make the entire map red, that's where <laughs> yeah, you're going with pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't think wait, wait. Congo or uh, <laughs> or Finland is absent of pedophiles. I wish they were, but they're not. Where's Nambla headquarters located? That's it's, Greenland, dude. Is it really in Greenland? 
Uh, I don't. I don't even know. Where's it? it's pro- probably Pumble. San Francisco. I think something. it's probably Tampa. Tampa, Tampa makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, either down. way, I think the whole map should be red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. That's interesting. They got this. Uh, of course, it's Reddit. They didn't even fucking get the guy's name right here. <laughs> it says Francis Burton. His name is in French. This was some of Burton's writing here. Um, again, I mentioned that Sotatic Zone or whatever would be a little bit later in life. He continued to be a writer throughout the rest of his life. Um, but his writings are really hard to follow. Because sometimes the footnotes were actually longer than the pages of text. So he'd just, like, write a page, and then it would be, like, a small paragraph, and the rest of it would just all be a footnote. It's weird, because it's kind of like this show. Yeah, yeah. Where there is a story, but for some reason we end up talking about pedophile uh, (laughs) planets, and who knows? Yeah, maybe he was the first podcaster. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I made the mistake. I couldn't find, actually, some of his works. In on paperback for cheap, there were some that were like really expensive. Well, because boy uh, detail in there probably. Well, apparently Amazon doesn't have a problem with that because it was on Amazon like Audible books. Somebody read it. Oh, but, oh, I, was, oh I was trying oh, to oh, listen to Jeff it and himself. <laughs> I was trying to listen to it, and literally, it's like you read. He reads two sentences, and then he reads like a footnote for like five minutes. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. Um. Burton also had the habit of making up his own words as well. He just was like, I don't, there's no word for this, so I'm going to make it up. Things like conversationizing, which apparently is an ox, it, you, if you write that, it's not today. wrong today. It's made it into the Oxford English Dictionary. That's, that's dumb. Yeah, it, like autocorrect. There, there, there is one. It's called conversing. Yeah, <laughs> conversationizing. But is it the the study of conversations? Uh, no. Well, that would be a analogy or something. Yeah. Oh. Also, another another word he made up that is part of the English language now: us words. Like us, and then like four words: us words, us words towards <laughs> us. Yeah. Oh, us words. I'm gonna actually use that. Come us words. I like us words. He's heading us-words. That rolls off the tongue. Yeah, he also started using esoteric words just to, you know, show off, right? Like, oh, oh look at me. I'm using all crazy words. Like, he used um, natation for swimming and pescatation for fishing. For fishing? Yeah. And then he also, asshole. he also would call, sometimes call a right, a horse as a quadruped creation <laughs> oh that's fun yeah that's i good, like right? that <laughs> i like quadruped creation um oh yeah let's I'm, fuck. I, I'm gonna get that into the brony dialect oh yeah i'm gonna, gonna become a brony just to put that in there and then you when should. they start saying it, i'm gonna go i got you you're a pedophiles yeah <laughs> a quadruped creation <laughs> Uh, A lot of his publications were highly edited because the publishers saw the original manuscript and like, we're not going to talk about how you insert your penis into the butthole or something like this isn't going out to 19th century English readers. Bookshelves, Barnes and Noble. (laughs) All the drawings were scrapped. 
Yeah. <laughs> Stick Un- figures. Unfortunately. <laughs> Every chapter was a tracing of his penis on the particular day he started the chapter. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, a lot of the original manuscripts and those details are lost to us because of a fire thanks to a bitch wife. <laughs> oh, is that coming up in a bit? That'll be up in a few episodes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. They should have really went back for that nun. She wouldn't have burnt anything. She would have that dick big off. booty, probably. Yeah. She's Latin. Latin types. Latin type. Um, yeah, so- that's what you want. You got to risk your life. If she looks that good, you get over the fact that you have to steal her from a convent and that she uses speakerphone all the time. You go over those <laughs> I don't give facts a fuck. just to make sure that you can have that. I would, I would definitely go back for that. Um, no one's going to... Yeah, what the fuck? This dude's an idiot. <laughs> Uh, Richard was very critical about the British army. Oh, excuse me. Richard was very critical about the British army in his writings, uh, particularly the use of the bayonet. So Richard actually per- uh, published a few bayonet treaties, like instruction manuals on how to use the bayonet that he submitted to the royal army. Not only did they laugh at him, they reprimanded him. Um. You see, bayonet drill was actually a standard um, training thing that not only the United States did at the time, this is right before the Civil War, other armies did as well. The British just had the idea of, like, they taught their soldiers how to fix bayonets and then just walk forward. Um, And if a soldier actually encountered another soldier, they were instructed to not bayonet them, but butt them, like, as a club. Like, turn their, their... their rifle around and hit him like a club. That's one of the dumbest <laughs> things I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. So at- Bayonet gets stuck. And you stab someone. Yeah, but you and just they can come it. around and hit you with like a blunt object and you fuck. Oh, so you're gonna fight you're gonna defend this? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you know, uh, how do we know this is not all fake news? This guy just wasn't just like out of his mind. Well, uh. so after <laughs> this- after the Crimean uh, Alex Jones. Yeah. After the Crimean War, the English War Office actually took a second look at Richard Burton's bayonet treaty, and they were like, oh, we kind of we kind of need need this. We kind of need to tell them how to use their bayonet." Like, <laughs> all right, maybe they were right. So <laughs> they decided to use his booklet as the way that they trained their troops with bayonet. I think up until like World War II or somewhere wow. around there. Yeah, like because they still would have to learn bayonet drills in World War II. Um, and they paid Richard one shilling for it. Now, their thought about paying him one shilling was that he just wouldn't bother um, to come and collect one shilling. But he actually made a, a point of going to like all these different offices to collect the one shilling that they owed him. And then he finally got it. And he walked outside of the war office and saw the first hobo and just flipped him the coin. And the bum said, Lord love, Lord love, ah, Lord love ye, sir. And Burton said, no, my man, I don't exactly expect him to do that. But I dare say you'll want a drink. And that is where we're going to leave off today. Roughly around the, uh, roughly around the year. 32? Well, eighteen fifty roughly around 1850. We're going to say, I know I said we were going from 28 to 32, but let's kind of put it at 29 because we're going to be kind of, I kind of want to consolidate the next subject for 
next week's episode. It kind of overlaps. Um, but Burton's starting at this point. He's starting to go broke. He's on half pay from the army. He's writing these strange racist sexual books that were even racist and sexual at the time. Uh, and next uh, week we're going to learn about Burton meeting his fangirl. We're going to, oh. and he's going to embark on his most famous exploration, the journey to Mecca. Dope. Cool. All right, Travis, thank Thanks, you Travis. very much for bringing in Richard Burton, not the actor. Not the snowboards. Um, <laughs> not, <laughs> not even that. Nah. Uh, Connor, we missed you. I know you're listening to this right now because you never miss out. Yeah, Connor, you're real fake for that. Yeah, you're a total phony, and um, that's we okay. We hate you, by the way. I still respect a phony. I respect a good phony. Connor, I know you're listening. Yeah, we're we're going to be talking about the Crimean War and the Charge of the Light Brigade next week, so I hope you're back. <laughs> Yeah, please keep cool us uh, keep Mike's tangents down a bit. I'm sorry, I'm sober now. Sure. All right. Um, sober living. Look, if you like the show and you're still here like you should be, you go to patreon.com slash roastmortemcast. What you do is you go to uh, give us the money button. Money. Please. I actually forget the layout, the UI experience, but you'll figure yourself out. I just give came, us I just came like, out with mi- I just came what, out with what? some bonus content. I rated all of my top seafood just for my Patreons. <laughs> good, good. Yeah. Um I think the so we have this it's only one tier right now. It's $3 is the minimum. But if you want to feel good about yourself, you're going to start off with about $70 a month. Please. 69 Okay? You should give it to me instead. You can well, give it directly is... to Mike, but you got to let us know so I can let Joe Biden know. Please. You understand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Biden's going to be like, uh, Mike, you are the real American. You're the... I don't understand. <laughs> this is... You didn't hear that? The perfect, yeah, no, no, the one <laughs> word to describe. <laughs> yeah. America can be described. I'm going to a warmer climate. That's what I'm saying. How does he fall off a bicycle with not a scratch and you fall off a skateboard and it kills you for a year? Because I was being sick. Yeah, true. He was being mediocre. He was being lame. Yeah, he was just getting off. I was being. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Anyway, uh, God I'm bless being him. Retarded. Yeah, God yeah. bless you, everyone else in the office. If in we, any office, if, if you're listening to this in an office, bless you. If we get a thousand dollars a month on Patreon, we will write our senator to get Joe Biden on a razor scooter. Petition. Uh, yeah, I will if, smoke crack on the show like Hunter Biden. If we get four million dollars a month, I will personally kidnap Chuck Schumer to make him sit through forty episodes of the show. Oh yeah. He will oh, be unharmed. Oh, oh, oh. I will feed him, but he's gonna sit here. I'm sick. He's not gonna. He's not gonna be allowed to say anything. You heard it here first. Yeah. Our whole time to his word. That's right. Dank million dollars. What did I say? I'll lower it now. $50,000. I'll do it. I promise. <laughs> Dankums. <laughs> Bye. Good night. Or good morning. Good morning.